Hello, you're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Has a patient or a patient's family ever turned to you for support in dealing with eczema? Well, today we will turn to some of the nation's leading pediatric dermatology specialists for help in scratching the surface of this physically demanding and psychologically stressful skin condition. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski, your host of Scratching the Surface of Eczema. With me today are Drs. Lawrence Eichenfield and Magdalene Dohill. Lawrence Eichenfield is a full professor of pediatrics and medicine, dermatology, at University of California, San Diego, and chief of pediatric adolescent dermatology at Rady Children's Hospital, San Diego. He is widely regarded as one of the premier atopic dermatitis specialists in the country. Magdalene Dohill is an assistant clinical professor of pediatrics and medicine, dermatology, at the University of California, San Diego. She is also the director of the Eczema Center at Rady Children's Hospital, San Diego. Today, we're discussing eczema, and more specifically, atopic dermatitis as it relates to a pediatric population. Welcome, Dr. Eichenfield and Dr. Dohill. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Well, who's going to take the daunting task of trying to tell the audience and explain to the audience what causes atopic dermatitis? Atopic dermatitis is definitely a complex condition and has multifactorial causes. And I think what has become clear over the last few years is that there are three areas of research that have really expanded our understanding of the condition. These focus on filagrin, which is a structural protein in the skin, defensins, which is part of our innate immune system, and a certain imbalance in our Th1 and Th2 cells, which of course are vital to our immune defense. Just talking about filagrin, as a structural protein, I think an analogy that makes the function of this protein very clear is to compare it to the cement in a brick wall. So if our skin, our epithelial cells signify the bricks, then the filagrin can be seen as vital cement. What has been shown, and this was initially seen in very similar or possibly related condition called ichthyosis vulgaris, is that people with this condition have less filagrin than they should have in their skin. And if you think of the brick wall again, if you don't have a decent amount of cement in that wall, the structural integrity will be compromised. And this has been shown to be also true for the skin if there is a certain lack of filagrin. And that research came out of Ireland, is that correct? Well, Scotland and Ireland were the first places, McLean and Alan Irvine. And they initially studied this disease called ichthyosis vulgaris, which is sort of an overlap with atopic dermatitis. It's this fine, dry skin that presents with lots of lines on the hands and the feet, as well as fine dryness on the skin, especially on the on the legs. And that's ichthyosis vulgaris, or common ichthyosis is seen in, depending on who you ask, you know, one in 150, one in 250 people. They notice that those patients who have the filagrin mutation with that have a much higher chance of developing atopic dermatitis over time. So this is really interesting evolving concept that eczema in some patients is first off associated with breaks in the skin and that we have some dysfunction in the skin barrier, and that may be a setup for the development of some of the immune dysregulation over time. Wow. So cracks in the wall sort of allow this to to start. What else might be at play? Well, if we continue with defensins, we all have what we call an innate immune system. It's the part of the immune system that didn't get trained. It's right there at birth. 
And again, what research, and this is actually vital research that has been come out of UCSD here, has shown is that, again, patients with atopic dermatitis seem to have a lack of these defensins. And if you take this one step further, it shows you why potentially these in this condition you have somewhat disturbed response to either allergens or to antimicrobials, to any kind of attack on the skin. Well, there's a difference, for instance, with psoriasis. Psoriasis, which is very common, has these raised, elevated, red, scaly plaques on the skin, sounding somewhat like a description of eczema, but they're a little different. But in psoriasis, you rarely ever get infection with bacteria with staph aureus or strep. It's really, really uncommon as compared to atopic dermatitis where staph aureus bacterial colonization is incredibly common. It's seen most of the time. In psoriasis, it was shown that there's increased defensins in the skin as part of the inflammation in the skin. But in atopic dermatitis, it was shown by, by Rich Gallo and others that, in fact, there's an absence of that particular inflammation in the skin. But in atopic dermatitis, there's inflammation as well. So why wouldn't the defensins be higher just like in psoriasis? And that's the question. And the answer is because that's what happens. So that in psoriasis, inflammation makes the native defense proteins increase. But in atopic dermatitis, there's a defect that's there. And that defect doesn't allow that same increase. So there's inflammation, but an inability to fight infection. And that correlates with having more bacteria on the skin. And how about the immune system itself? Don't we just rev up and sort of counter these sort of defects by just being more hyperimmune? Well, usually it seems that our body works best if everything is in balance, and that also applies to the immune system. So our Th1 and Th2 cells, both important parts of the immune system, should be in balance and only, depending on certain triggers, respond appropriately. What appears to be the case in atopic dermatitis is that for some still somewhat unclear reasons, the Th2 cells are revved up. And what we have not been able to determine is why they are revved up or what gets them onto this path. And in consequence, what happens is that the immune system identifies apparently harmless allergens like dust or a microbial that should really not cause any response, like we all carry stuff aureus on our skin quite happily and under normal conditions, causes an immune response and causes this defense path along TH2 to run and to run vigorously when it really should not start off in the first place. Yeah, we explained to our families with eczema that the skin immune system seems to be hyper. We know that because there are certain cells there that are sort of a thousand times more efficient at presenting antigen to other cells. So there truly is a hyperreactivity, both from an immune standpoint as well as a hyperreactivity to certain stimuli on the skin, including you know dry skin or allergens that may touch the skin. So they're hyperreactive, but they're not getting the benefit of being able to resist the things that are causing the infections in the first place. So it's a, it's a double whammy without any of the positive. Yeah, they kind of seem to respond to things they shouldn't respond to, but then when they should respond appropriately to the real microbials, then they somewhat don't mount the appropriate response. What sort of role do environmental allergens play in this condition? Well, that's a really interesting question. We know that, first of all, the 
barrier itself, as we were saying, the barrier of the skin or the fence, so to speak, is a little damaged. So when you have stuff that can touch the skin, that may not only stimulate the inflammation, but potentially there could be antigen, an ability for antigens to make it into the system and cause an immune response. For instance, there's a subset of atopic dermatitis patients that may be worsened by exposure to dust mite. Now, we all have dust mite living on us. We're not happy about it. But in patients with atopic dermatitis, they could be quite allergic and they can have very specific IgE responses to that. And that can be something that can very much stimulate the immune system. So there are certain external allergens such as that, that in a subset of patients can be stimuli for worsening eczema. You're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Andrew Kurkowski, and I'm speaking with Drs. Magdalene Dohill and Lauren Seikenfield. And today we're discussing atopic dermatitis in children. So if environmental allergens can cause a role in sort of exacerbating atopic dermatitis, what role do known irritants cause? The answer is in many patients that can clearly cause a problem. If you take a patient who has an eczema tendency, an atopic dermatitis patient, and have them take baths two to three times a day without hydrating afterwards, and in fact, make it really hot water and put it in a uh, harsh soap, you'll really precipitate a marked flare of the atopic dermatitis. Irritants, which can include soaps and detergents on the skin, can irritate anyone's skin. If you take a classic detergent and just rub it on your skin and cover it, watch what happens in a day. If you take a patient with atopic dermatitis who has that compromised skin to start, it can clearly be a precipitant of worsening disease. What I find is somewhat contradictory to that, though, is the use of Bleach baths? Is that a technique that we use for treatments? How does that not irritate the skin? Well, you know, this is the question where when you start suggesting it to patients, and we do use it as one of the treatment modalities, you get very odd looks from parents. But really, this more leads into the fact that, as we discussed, patients with atopic dermatitis have a tough time defending themselves against certain microorganisms. So what we try to do is to avoid having them repeatedly on oral antibiotics to treat infections and to break that cycle of potential repeated infection and also reduce the number of microbia on the skin, studies have shown that diluted bleach baths can be very helpful in diminishing the number of bacteria on the skin. Basically, if you use like a quarter cup maybe of bleach and dilute this in a full bath, and obviously, after you've rinsed the child with it, make sure you afterwards rinse with clear water. It does help. Oh, so that's the difference. You're not leaving the contact irritant on the skin. You're washing it immediately off. It's doing its job, and it's coming right off the skin. And does that seem to work pretty well? It really works very well, and it can help in that yeah. sense. Though we don't usually recommend it for every patient with atopic dermatitis. It's those moderate, severe patients who have very persistent disease or, or frequent honey-colored crusting, which is really one of the clinical hallmarks for secondarily infected dermatitis. Now, we talked about things that are affecting the skin from the outside. How about food? Can that do it? Well, food allergens can play a role, but this is only true for a very small subset of patients, more commonly in the very young patient. What we find is that parents often latch onto the issue of food allergens as the secret answer to why does the eczema suddenly flare if nothing else apparently has changed in the environment and food is the nearest answer to them. And it's partially tricky because food allergy does develop more commonly in 
eczema patients as compared to individuals who don't have eczema. So there's more of a tendency to develop allergy. They're more allergy prone, but it may manifest as other ways of manifesting food allergy. It can be urticaria, contact urticaria, GI effects, and not necessarily flares of their eczema. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank Dr. Lawrence Eichenfield and Dr. Magdalene Dohill from the University of California, San Diego, and Rady Children's Hospital, San Diego. They've been our guests today as we've been discussing atopic dermatitis in the pediatric population. I'm Dr. Andrew Kurkowski, your host of Scratching the Surface of Eczema. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on eczema, please visit the Eczema Center's outstanding website at www.eczemacenter.org. You can also check out the National Eczema Association at www.nationaleczema.org and the American Academy of Dermatology's website at www.aad.org. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.